0: Welcome to another thrill packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And ranking right up behind that must be the person who counts the votes. And we see the, we see the, shall we say the wisdom, uh, and perception of Joseph Stalin, who had said, I consider it completely unimportant who in the party will vote or how. But what is extraordinarily important is this. Who will count the votes and how? And uh, talk about being prophetic to to this current election. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host Don Dix and Jen and Don and other radio shows, Sometimes the Morning Answer. It's great to see you. (laughs) literally great to see you great to see you too and um past couple weeks i've been in the um that came into the studio because my home internet connection isn't sufficiently reliable but so far in this session it's been okay uh i tested positive for COVID on sunday and so i'm under house i'm under officially under house arrest for two weeks so here i am back in my underground bunker.
2: Well, you sound remarkably good for somebody who is uh, having been infected with the uh, virus that is bringing the world to its knees. Sure.
0: Now, there are people who are become seriously ill with this disease. That's true. But when you hear about X number of cases, a case only means a positive test, and the test can be unreliable. This past week, Elon Musk went in for for testing. He used the same nurse, same machine. Did it four times. He got two positives, and two negatives. So, you, so when you hear all these cases, it means yeah, there's some people. Some people are in the hospital. It also means people like myself who are have at most minor symptoms and are in their own respective underground bunkers. At back back at home, so just take that with uh, perspective. In fact, I feel so good, I'm re- I'm ready to go out and ha- have uh, f- have a French dinner with um, the governor.
2: I think there's a restaurant that uh, would love to have you as uh, as company, and uh, I hear they don't require face masks if you want to eat. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a, a restaurant like that where you've got Governor Newsom and two of the uh, individuals that essentially are the health officials of California uh, are sitting there without masks. How'd you like to be the waiter that the manager says, I want you to go in that room, make sure those people are wearing face masks so we don't get busted? What would you do if yeah. you were that waiter?
0: <laughs> well, I, I, it appears that didn't happen. And uh, yeah, so at the same time, T- the authorities are telling us that we you can't have Thanksgiving dinner. Don't have your family over. There, you, there they are, crowded, twelve of them crowded around a table from multiple different households. Well, at the same time, they, a bunch of California lawmakers flew off with lobbyists to a posh resort in Maui for a, I'm sure, a very serious working conference uh, to discuss important legislative matters. Yeah, I, I um, I'm sure they're not having any fun at all at that at that at that event. And as they lay around by the pool, I'm sure they must all be wearing their masks. And when they're out on the beach, same thing. I'm sure they're all wearing I'm sure they're all wearing their face masks. What
2: well, is, of r- course, th- of course, they're not. And I, I want to inject something into our conversation very quickly here because we're going to get to the specifics of what's unfolding this week and some of the context and maybe even some of what we can actually do about it perched from our uh, little setting here in the Inland Empire. Uh, there was an article this week by a New York Times reporter. Uh, he is the uh, tech reporter. Um, he is a uh, individual that is... Um, oftentimes extraordinarily critical of the Trump administration, uh, what New York Times reporter isn't. He happened to write an article uh, this week in response to a trend that unfolded on Twitter uh, having to do with something that uh, Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, said about the Great Reset. He was speaking to the United Nations. And he happened to use the the term Great Reset. And the Great Reset is actually something very real, as you probably know, Greg. Um, Klaus Schwab, who is the founder of the World Economic Forum, uh, that's the group that meets in Davos every year with such globalist characters like George Soros. Um, all of the individuals that want to, that are what we call globalists, get together every year and figure out how are they going to foist their globalist world vision on the rest of the country, wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. And in that book, which I happen to own, I'm about halfway through it, um, he talks about that. Well, Davey Alba, a New York Times reporter, wrote an article. And the article in the New York Times is titled, believe it or not, (laughs) I mean, you you almost can't make this stuff up. The baseless Great Reset conspiracy theory rises again. And in the article, he essentially says that the Great Reset, which started trending on Twitter, 80,000 tweets, uh, with most of the posts coming from the familiar far-right Internet personalities, the conspiracy theory alleges that a cabal of elites has long planned for the pandemic so that they could use it to impose their global economic control on the masses. Now, the only problem with his article, Greg, is that the people that want to do this, that want to use the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, as the triggering mechanism for Great Reset, actually wrote a book about doing the very thing that the individual, the New York Times reporter said, doesn't exist. Now, all of that has implications in everything that's unfolding in the United States. I firmly believe that everything that Donald Trump has experienced over the last four years, is because Donald Trump stands in the way of their vision of a global uh, caliphate, if you want to call it that, the economic person's vision of a one-world government. That's what they're after. And this election, all of it that's being reported on right now, all of the irregularities, a company called Dominion that was a company that was out of state, Uh, out of the United States, uh, formed out of the United States. Can you believe we've got a company, not even based in the United States, with all of our technology that is counting the votes and processing ballots? So this is, I think, the backdrop that we need to evaluate whether or not we have an election that has irregularities and fraud and all of the other things that uh, we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show.
0: Absolutely. And the, I think from from a more macro point of view, human freedom and democracy. And this very small, as I know, where we're a republic, uh, but where the people get to choose their leaders. The people are where the people are sovereign over the government, rather than the usual model of the reverse, where the government is sovereign and rules the people. That's fleeting. That That is, you look historically, that is unstable. And our perspective is that's the way it's always been for us you know, for more than 200 years, 225 years or thereabouts now. And that is, but historically, that's not so. And uh, what we're seeing is in large measure the ruling class to, uh, seeking to reassert itself in control and doing a whole variety of things in terms of undermining religion undermining the belief in your own in your own country uh, loyalty to the planet you know, t- universities t- will uh, a stated goal is to produce quote global citizens unquote and Donald Trump is in the way he, they, they, they thought they had it all done. It was all going according to plan. Hillary would, would pick up where Barack Hussein Obama left off. And Donald Trump and the people who elected him in 2016 threw a gigantic monkey wrench into their, into their machinery. And it's, everything about it since then has been to get rid of Donald Trump, from the big damn tech companies, the mainstream media, large businesses, and in this entire global structure, as well as our, the deep state here, is, is everything, everything they can to undermine him. And then you come to this—you come to this—this uh, this coronavirus. Amazing how it th- th- is the most politically opportune disease, probably in all of human history. Now, maybe there's some other things where disease came along and had a, had a, had a big historical effect. And there probably are such examples, but in terms of the timing of this, it's hard to see something more politically opportune and how well that they have used this disease. If they had, if they had planned this disease, if this, if, if this disease was intentionally released and they planned to use it for political ends, I don't know that they could have done a better job. They used you know, it.
2: it, it. greg I was just going to say, you bring up an interesting point, Greg, because uh, whether or not it was planned, uh, it almost is irrelevant. And I realize, I, I understand your point. What I am uh, struck by is that the... Uh, systems were already in place to take advantage and leverage an event like a coronavirus, such that it's it almost it becomes meaningless as to whether or not it was intentionally released for that purpose or not, because they were ready for it, much like the Marxists in America were ready to take advantage and leverage the unfortunate death of George Floyd for their purposes. So it, we, we know for a fact there are organizations like uh, the Sunrise Movement that have we, we have excerpts from their uh, Zoom calls that say that we were ready and from the Marxist groups that were in Minneapolis that said we were ready for such an event at some point in time. They call it a triggering event. So regardless of whether or not coronavirus was intentionally released by uh, China or not, the, the systems were in place already for them to use an event like this in order to accomplish their far-reaching objectives, which for the globalists are the, is the Great Reset, and for the Marxists in America uh, to use that to tear down the fabric of law and order inside this country.
0: No, and they're, inter- they're intricately are related, is they, through a whole variety of means, they want to literally and figuratively burn down our country and civilization to build their one-party state on the rubble and ashes. What's particularly disturbing is how easily people in America and other formerly free countries are willing to surrender their freedom because of a new disease that, as we've learned, yeah, it is basically a bad flu epidemic correctly equivalent to the Hong Kong flu of 1957-58 or the Asian flu epidemic of 1968 and '69, in which no one thought or even suge- no one seriously suggested let's shut down the economy. Let's restrict people to their homes. Let's cancel Thanksgiving and so on the people, many people, are willing to accept now. And with that, let's hear from our sponsor Ed Hoffman. Of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this.
1: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM 590 The answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo.
3: Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number one zero one two six five Arizona MLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity.
2: AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Newland Empire radio show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And when we say the most important political office, you left our last segment by saying how easily Americans have given up their liberty, have given up their freedoms. You sent me an article that we're going to dig into right now. I'm going to introduce it and let you take the baton. Uh, that's t- entitled, and I love, I'm, I'm really loving this particular website. In fact, the author, Ned Ryan, is a regular on Tucker Carlson's show. The website is American Greatness. The article is entitled, An Unserious Movement for an Unserious People. Conservatives have only themselves to, or, or ourselves to blame because he's a conservative. Investing ungodly sums of money in the wrong places, people, and ideas for decades has led us to this point. And I pass the baton to you with this comment. The maintenance of self-government in and of itself defines that self-government means that we are the ones that are responsible for the maintenance of self-government because itself requires vigilance against what we're dealing with right now. And, Greg, we've talked about it so many times on this show that everything from the loss of the teaching of civics in elementary school to um, a a lack of focus on what the responsibility is of a private citizen in our self-governing republic has brought us to a point to where we have – and I agree with the premise of the article that Ned Ryan on American Greatness uh, proposes – that we should – are, acknowledge that we as Americans in many ways have become an unserious people and have allowed uh, what's happening to happen.
0: Well, I think that that's that, that that's absolutely true. Uh, the people are ultimately in charge. All political powers ultimately rest with the people, and we're letting it slip away. But you think about, I mean, uns- an unserious people. You look at things, and the election is, is a good example. We have this chaotic election system is with no with no integrity that ballots can be dropped off in the middle of the night there's no no one's verifying signatures there's electronic ballots which who knows how the software the machines originally were used in Venezuela uh, designed for Venezuela manipulate votes there the servers were located over in foreign countries that they actually are actually counting the votes the uh, the, the the voter rolls there are millions of, of in at, tens of millions actually more than twenty four million about twenty four million voter registrations that are inaccurate, incomplete or out of date. People have died, they're still on the voting rolls and so on and so on. And we used to pride ourselves as well. We're, we are the leading democracy in the world. We kind of brought democracy to the world. Uh, yeah, it, it existed in certain forms prior to that. There was an English Parliament. You look all the way back to Athens, uh, development in Switzerland. And you say, okay, there were, there were previous developments. We thought about you know we're the ones that really brought democracy to the world. And you look at this election. And if if, if any American was to ever say to talk to any foreigner about how they should do elections or democracy, they should laugh in our faces. And that that we tolerate this type of system is just an example of our unseriousness. No serious country would allow, another another example, its education system to be dumbed down and, and its next generation to be taught to hate its country, their own country. But we tolerate that. No serious country would allow gangs of looters and thieves to pillage local businesses night after night. It would, it would be shut down and it would be stopped. But we tolerate it. No serious country would, would, allow, would allow wide open borders. Now, thanks to Donald Trump, we have, have kind of gotten that control of the southern border to a certain extent by leveraging Mexico to help us and other countries to help us. But that's all going to change if Biden gets in. It's going to be wide open borders again. Again, just some examples of things. No serious country would tolerate it.
2: Well, they wouldn't.
0: (laughs) And I I mean, there's a political, we're coming back to the reset that you talked about. Yeah, I mean, there's a a political reason why these things exist. But that the country does it. The people tolerate these things shows their unseriousness and lack of understanding the perception of their role of citizens of a constitutional republic.
2: Look, Ned, in the second paragraph, makes a very important point in this article. If both parties, if all political parties, if all Americans were serious about having an election, that we could absolutely know for sure was unquestionable, was was devoid of any meaningful irregularities and fraud, where we could say, where both parties could say, win or lose, that it was the choice of the American people and not uh, a cabal of folks working to manage an election into a particular direction. You'd have voter ID. You'd have voter ID. Mexico has it. India has it. Uh, You know, are these countries that aren't serious about their government? Of course they are. You have voter ID to make sure that you do away with the possibility of election fraud that can have a material impact on the outcome of an election. The fact that we don't, the fact that you have one party that is adamantly opposed to voter ID, you have one party That was adamantly in favor of vote by mail, a system of elect of electing uh, a government that was completely uh, open to uh, fraud. That was that was, you know, not not just a voting day, but a voting month and then a counting month. We got two months essentially where things can be managed into wrong. He's he's right. You know, we have dropped the ball. We've dropped the baton. And I don't I'm not saying that uh, the folks that listen to this program, anybody that's involved in the fight, um, you know, is doing what they're supposed to do. But by and large, enough people aren't that we find ourselves in this place.
0: Yeah. Canada, it's all paper ballots. Every polling station has observers and the votes are counted, scrutinized by representatives of all the political parties, because, I mean, Canada has some issues with its politics, but they take their elections seriously. And the article goes on to explain that is there's uh, says virtually all of uh, civilized countries, even ones that the left recognizes as being, oh, here, here's a good example of, of, uh, of, of how we should do things. Do not allow mail-in ballots, because they're much more susceptible to fraud. Yep. But when your goal is far, when your goal is power, and, and this is important, the Democrat Party lust for power, they're willing to steal the people's right to choose our leaders. And where we go from this, and, and we're, we're not at the stage that we're going to, okay, what do we do with, in light of the stolen election? Because this is still being fought, and being fought hard, and we'll see what ultimately happens with that. It's likely to end up in the Supreme Court. And we shall see whether what they do with it. Are they going to uphold the fraud or not? And there's just so much. I think you can you read this stuff all day. Uh, all day. Gateway Pundit is probably the best single source of, of, of the information on this. And it's the, the servers, the statistics, the witnesses. Uh, with affidavits under penalty of perjury, watching the vote fraud happening, and so on. Uh, The republic is on the line here, and we'll see what the Supreme Court, when the cases get there, are willing to do about it. Stay tuned, please, for the second half of Unite, i.e. radio.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, heard weekends right here on AM 590, The answer. For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that is accumulated in your bank account from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. No prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available. So if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free. So call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020.
3: Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161.
0: AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Tea Party Patriots. And joined by my co-host, Don Dix, and we are again today back in our secret underground bunkers. We were talking about the people of the country, because of the declining education and lack of civics, it become kind of an unserious people. It's uh, perhaps not up to, at least collectively, keeping the republic for, for that much longer. And just in, an, in in another story that kind of almost has to illustrate that we've we've watched as the uh since the death of george George floyd that was a triggering event that suddenly we're now all these institutions across the country are recognizing you know notwithstanding the, the uh, these far left universities that they they've really you know we're we're just're infected with systemic racism and the Redland school board yeah after decades uh, they suddenly realize now and that oh wow we have systemic racism here now why they didn't realize that before and of course there's no evidence there's no there's no evidence of that but they're all kowtowing to this and racial issues are very important and that you know in a, a multi multiethnic multi ethnic country If you divide people up along those lines, the country is not going to last. You have to build an American identity to survive the country. But now getting back to unseriousness, article this week. At the University of Wisconsin, there's a big rock, picture of it, I don't know, (laughs) six, seven, eight feet across. And it's named after a former university president who was also a, a geologist. Well, the university this week voted to remove... The Rock, because it's racist. Now, you you might ask, why a rock is racist, and that's why. So did I. When I saw the headline, I clicked on it, and I said, Well, well, let's see what this one answer. What this answer is. Well, in 1925, there was was an article in a local newspaper that referred to the Rock as a N-word. Know what that word is head. Mm-hmm. So, because of a single article written referring to the rock in, the, in that manner in 1925, to show their, the University of Wisconsin to show their commitment to combating racism, they're going to move this big rock someplace. As if you move the rock some other place, then it's, then it's okay. And it illustrates it, it the frivolity of this. Of instead of looking at real issues, well, like you see the high rates of single, parent, single parents raising African Americans, and there's there's there's, there's 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 real issues. The poor quality of the government-run schools. How do you really stru- structure an economy with opportunities so everyone can climb the ladder if they not make success? And how do you help people that need some help to get on that ladder? Okay, all serious, all serious, discuss- that a serious country and a serious citizenry would be having. But moving the rock because of a because of how it was called in a nineteen in a single 1925 newspaper article. It one little illustrates illustrates the unseriousness. Of our country and uh, particularly our leaders. I mean, instead of the, what the university should have done, they should they should have laughed the students out of the office. Who, whoever, whosever our professor, whoever whosever idea this was, we need to move this rock. They should have been laughed out of the office.
2: Right along with the Ventura County Board of Supervisors, <laughs> who this week Greg voted as. San Bernardino County did as Riverside County did as Riverside city did as over 80 other political subdivisions throughout California and the rest of the country voted unanimously to approve a resolution declaring racism is a public health crisis. So again, just like Riverside County where I actually did a public records request to find out, How this got put on the agenda, who the people were that communicated this to the county that it should be put on the agenda, where the evidence is of racism being a public health crisis. What is it? What is the plan to deal with it? How do we measure racism? How do we measure when we put a dollar to work to eliminate racism as a public health crisis? Do we measure the results of investing a dollar of taxpayer money into a system that's supposed to fix that? If it does indeed exist, another county succumbs to the pressure of these special interest groups that are using uh, this uh, racism card as a way to move money away from public safety into these social programs that we have no idea whether or not they will actually have the intended results to fix a problem that we can't measure that we're not sure is entirely there, that we have a uh, uh, environment now where racism is being used. And look, I know racism exists. I mean, there are people that do racist things. There are clearly some police officers that have done racist things. But is it to the point to where we need to retool the entire country versus dealing with those uh, incidents on their own merit? This this is part of this greater conversation uh, that Ned Ryan is talking about, that we're an unserious people in this country because we no longer are in touch with the what it takes to. And again, I want to qualify that only because I know there are people that listen to our program that are fully engaged with what it what what it means to be uh, a private citizen in America and a supporter of self-governance. But by and large, we're not moving that message fast enough among people to be able to stop this. Uh, I feel like sometimes, Greg, we're bailing a lifeboat out with a thimble and the waves are are, are pouring in gallons of water. And all we have is a thimble to bail out the lifeboat.
0: Yes, the I think the hard left and hard anti-American left is a distinct minority in the country and they're working and, and query who's gonna end up, who, th- who thinks is gonna end up in charge, the, the hard left or the ruling class, where they're both working to undermine the country. Racism is probably the greatest sin you can commit publicly these days and no one defends real racism, which is racism is judging or treating people based on the color of their skin. But that's not what they mean here. You look at racism and, the, and these critical race seminars that are going on in government-run schools, universities, businesses across the country. You know, racism takes on a much broader definition, and examples include celebrating Columbus Day, supporting immigration restrictions, make America great again, believing in uh, colorblindness, that, that everyone should be treated Equally, and, and not based on the color of their skin. Those are all examples of racism, as it's be, as it's now be as it's now being taught. So you've unleashed these people to remake society, and that Barack Obama said that he wanted to fundamentally transform the United States of America. And the race is something by the the Marxists consider as one of their chief wedges to do that.
2: Well, you know, it occurred to me there's an analogy for what we're talking around, and that is that this Pac-Man-like device, and if you picture the old video game Pac-Man, that the goal of the game is to maneuver that little dot-eating face around the maze to get to the destination before time runs out. That's a little like what racism is being used as a tool uh, to take down America is doing. It's running around the maze of America, gobbling up stuff. And one of the things that it's gobbled up now is Thanksgiving. There's an article in the New York times this week saying that maybe it's time that we reimagine Thanksgiving and they go on just like project 1619 did with American history this article goes on to talk about, well, the entire premise of Thanksgiving is a lie. None of what we regard as uh, happening on that day actually happened, um, that there is a complete different history uh, that Amer- that indigenous people lived. Uh, and they go on to cite how uh, the folks that moved across the West took the um, Buffalo to near extinction for what reason to basically damage the indigenous people. But but they're ripping down. I mean, there's there there are many good things about Thanksgiving. Forget the historical aspect. Us gathering together as a country to give thanks for uh, so many different things is a legitimate celebration. But that Pac Man has now uh, is now attacking uh, Thanksgiving, and of course, there's a double whammy if you have more than ten people gathered at your home. Uh, you're violating these new "quote unquote" regulations that Governor Newsom himself couldn't even follow at a dinner with health officials that are also responsible for prom- promulgating uh, the uh the regulations to get coron- in their mind to get coronavirus under uh under control and i think that somebody had it right when they suggested that a that a uh, an opportunity to market a um doormat that says rather than welcome it said come back later when you have a warrant
0: mm. i mean i, sh- I maybe mean, should uh, should should get me one I should get me one of those although i guess since I'll still be under COVID house arrest on Thanksgiving, I probably won't be having people over. <laughs> it's just you don't, you wouldn't want to transmit the virus uh, if, you, uh, if, uh, if at all, if at all possible. Let's take a let's take a break here. I'm here from our sponsor for this half of United IE Radio All Star Collision: the place take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this.
3: Mention AM 590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. Carstar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM 590,
2: the answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio show, the show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And right now, today, Greg, many of those private citizens are finding themselves working from home because, of course, telecommuting has become, has been totally reinvented in the era of COVID. It's one of the new normals that many people are living with. And a lot of people who thought that that telecommute would be temporary are finding themselves now that as corporations retool and reimagine their futures, Many of those jobs are going to be permanent telecommuting jobs. Uh, Like, for instance, we're telecommuting, if you want to call it that. Uh, Whereas for many years, we would drive into the studio and do our show face-to-face in a studio. Today, all three of us are in different places. Our engineer, Dan, is at home. Uh, Well, not today, but he has been at home. Uh, You're at home. I'm at home. We're 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 all connecting over the Internet. Deutsche Bank has an idea for us. Those individuals that are working from home should pay a privilege tax to support workers who can't. That's the idea of a Deutsche Bank researcher who says that employees who choose to work remotely should pay a tax to help workers on low incomes who cannot work at home. Uh, What would those jobs be? Everything from folks that work at restaurants to, uh, you know, frontline workers at hospitals, those people who can't work at home ha- should, who, who should pay a tax. Uh, those who can work at home should pay a tax to those who can't, because this is what we must do to rebuild because those who work at home receive immediate financial benefits, including reduced costs for travel, uh, reduced costs for food, reduced cost for clothing all of these things, Greg, they're saying essentially is a privilege because now you get to work at home. How about that one?
0: Well, how about well, if we have a privilege tax, how about a privilege tax on um, World Economic Forum members on their who can fly around a private jets that will then we'll take we'll, we'll use that money and redistribute it to all of us who uh, can't afford have to you know those have that you know those of us are. The, the uh, plebes and peasants who have to fly commercial right maybe maybe you know maybe I thought the idea was crazy to begin with, but maybe a, maybe a privilege tax maybe if you're you know if you're a part of the ruling class and the governor or some of the governor's friends, and you can go to a four hundred dollar a person dinner at a at a fancy French restaurant. Man, I have, you should pay a privilege tax to all of us who are eating at uh, you know, Mill Creek Cattle Company or um, someplace like that, or Famous Dave's or someplace like that.
2: Or, or to take your, I think, point to its logical conclusion, <laughs> if you're going, if you as a governing official are going to tell citizens that they can't go to work and they can't earn money, and you're going to shut down their small business, I tell you what, you first. You take a pay cut, take a 50% pay cut, take a 75% pay cut, do without your pay entirely. I'm going to guess Gavin Newsom probably could do without his pay entirely. You take a, you take a pay holiday along with the rest of us who are having to take time away from work because you shut down our, jo- our companies, our businesses, our livelihoods, you first. Yeah, and
0: if you're again, if you're if you're if you're a wealthy millionaire governor who kind of a, he's a post turtle, you know what a post turtle is. A I turtle that's sitting on a, a post turtle is a Texas expression, I believe. That you, ah. you see a post, a, a fence post, and there's a turtle sitting on top of it, and you know the turtle didn't get there on his own, and he doesn't belong there. <laughs> <laughs> I so, love
2: it. Newsom, I'm writing that
0: down. Newsom Newsom is a post turtle, but he also somebody also uh, has his kids in private school, and they're they're doing in person schooling. So again, a privilege. So if, if you're if you're if you're a um, wealthy member of the ruling class that's sending your children to uh, in person learning. You should pay a privilege tax for that. I think. I think maybe this maybe this concept uh, has something. And you know, if the rest of us can't get our hair done, but if, but if you're the Speaker of the House and you can get, and you can go have your hair done, or Lori Lightfoot, who I think you know, the mayor of Chicago, who I think is on, who is <laughs> angling to try to get into the remake of remake of Beetlejuice. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean. She said she needs to need to have her hair done so she looks good. I mean, I, I hate to see what she looks like if he doesn't look good. Hey,
2: you're 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 demon shaming now, and that's not that's just uh, that's just not right. You can't you can't yeah, uh, right. you can't demon my, my, my shame bad. somebody that is yeah. Don't do that. My bad.
0: But it, but it, it, it ties it ties into a to a large it ties into like a large issue. We're, we're we're having fun with them, but you have this ruling class that and we've seen those examples and. You know, during the during the lockdown, the governor of Illinois flies his family off to Florida for vacation. In a lockdown in Virginia, the governor spends his weekends at his beachfront home in North Carolina, and so on and so on and so on. And on one level, is it, ju- is it just hypocrisy? The rules don't apply to us. And I, I think it's really, I think it's more than that. I think what it really shows is. These people don't believe their own BS, and you see that you see that in global warming and so-called climate change. Barack Obama, a big promoter promote of this, a proponent of this, and of course it's the same kind of thing leading to the same great reset of the ruling class taking more wealth and power for itself. That's always that's always what they want out of these things. But he, buy- he buys a $15 million beachfront home while well, at the same time warning us that sea levels are rising because of climate change. Nancy Pelosi, Diane Feinstein walk around without a mask. And these women are in their 80s and are potentially seriously at risk if they were to contract the virus. So I, th- I think the conclusion is more that these people don't believe their own BS. So it's more than just hypocrisy. They're lying to us to achieve their political ends. And there was just, a, you know, one of the things that came out is, is the masking, and we don't have enough time to really delve into all of the mask research. But before, the, before coronavirus, research, the, the science, the evidence was that outside of a medical setting, having people wear masks does not stop viral transmission. And even early on, Fauci said the same thing. It's, 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 just, it's not going to do any good. Then they decided it was their, it was politically expedient for them to force everybody to wear a mask. Uh, in part, it, it show it keeps people afraid of the disease, and also I think uh, citizen obedience training. So there was a there was a, a Danish study that had been done months ago, and it could not get published. Could not find a medical journal to publish. It was finally published, and this, will, this looked at whether masks protect the wearer. Didn't try to look at see whether masks protect other people. And lo and behold, there was no substantial evidence. There was no. There was no statistically significant difference between the people who wore a mask and people who did not wear a mask in contracting coronavirus.
3: Well, even the CDC. They do do it,
2: but I was uh, just going to was say real CDC quick study, but, t- to but, your, to your point, the CDC said seventy percent of all the people who contracted COVID were wearing masks.
0: Oh, yes, there that came out over the summertime is, it, just, it, it just doesn't work and Dr um, I'm not too well on this last name, Dr. who is a uh, professor at Stanford University Medical School, a physician, epidemiologist, health economist, and public health policy expert. Says, and he says there is no evidence you know the flu before coronavirus that the mask stopped to prevent disease. But what you wear the mask and if you don't she said you change it every hour, but instead what people do is they put it in the car, they put it in the pocket, they put it in the purse, and then they take it out again and wear it when they need to. And what this does, it actually increases your chances of getting a respiratory illness because viruses are not the only source of, of illness. Bacteria is. And you masks get bacteria in them so that, they're, they're actually they're actually harmful medically and they have, have no use in stopping coronavirus medically but they're politically useful so the ruling class pushes them on us but they don't wear them themselves showing again they don't believe their own BS
2: they don't at all. And I'll tell you what isn't B.S. January the 5th, where the balance of power in this congressional legislature uh, of the Senate is going to uh, be at stake. It's probably the most important election since November 3rd.
0: It is. And then we'll be talking about ways in which we here in California can influence that and, cre- and leave a bulwark against socialism should Biden be able to be successful and the Democrats be successful in stealing the presidential election, even if they're not, and Donald Trump is is sworn in for another term, if it's a narrow 50-50 in the Senate, then Mitt Romney, uh, Murkowski, other liberal Republican senators have a veto on everything that the Senate does. That's all the time we have this week. Tune in next week
3: for our Thanksgiving edition of Unite, i.e. radio.